welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loisel. With me today is my co-host. First of all, let me say I'm very proud of that. <laughs> That's a Dang, you couldn't even wait. <laughs> you were like, let me let me stop the recording right now to tell you how great it was that the intro didn't suck. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> look, it was good. I have to take my wins wherever, whenever I can. Even if you and, don't deserve them. Oh, I definitely deserve this one. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark Salcedo, managing editor and writer at ScreenGeek.com. <laughs> look, I even got that right. Damn, I must be on a roll today. On a roll. On a roll. Are you on a roll when you play your games on PlayStation? Mm, no, sometimes. Sometimes. Maybe. So, when you're playing, mm-hmm. you feel like a preserved moose on stage? <laughs> the fuck? Yes? Question mark? Good answer. Okay. Good answer. What was that from Spinal Tap? Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's totally. It's funny. Like that's totally something from Spinal Tap, or that seems like something that would be something from Spinal Tap. But we're doing like two mockumentaries on uh, this week's show, and I'm like, mm, I could kind of picture uh, Honk for Jesus. I couldn't. They so. didn't come up with anything half that clever. <laughs> I know, but maybe it was something that like I missed or something. But <laughs> apparently, I didn't miss that much at all. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at. The Real Appeal, two E's in real. If you want, you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. If you could please review us on any of your listening platforms that you choose to listen to. And this week, we are doing our recent review of Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. <laughs> that's, a, that's a spell, Save Your Soul. <laughs> Add them extra L's to it. Our variety time, the shit show on the island. We're not talking about Fire Festival. No. <laughs> um, and our geriatric cinematic, this is Spinal Tap. That came out in 1984. The greatest year ever. Ever. For the devil. Ever. <laughs> For the devil. Yeah, ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the terpic? Uh, let's make a mockery of things. Not calling mockery. I feel like I should have sold that. Let's make a mockery of things. Ah. Every time I hear the word mockery, I always think of calling mockery. Who's, <laughs> who's calling mockery? He's one of the guys from whose line is it anyway? Oh, okay. His last name is mockery. Yeah. Uh, but it's spelled different. That's the one who's like, he's balding. Yeah. Yeah. All I, all I can let me see, Drew I Carey. think he always wore Hawaiian shirts too. Let me see. So there's Drew Carey. There's um, what's his name? Wayne Knight. Is that his name? Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady. Who's Wayne Knight? You were thinking of Brian McKnight. Probably he's a combo <laughs> too. Yeah. So Wayne Brady. I know that. Um, there is. Oh, he's Greg he, Proops. I know. Yeah, there's Greg Proops. There's another one who's on that show, or who, who does the tour with him now, and he used to roll with Dan Harmon a lot. Um, he was a comptroller for Harmontown. I can't remember his fucking name now. Me either. Um, 
Dustin Crittentail? No. No. That's, uh, no, that's the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not important, though. It's not important. You might hear a lot of bumping because uh, we're not recording at... Normally, we record episode at Kelsey's, but today we're actually recording at my place. Because I don't want to die in the Because <laughs> I have um, Central AC <laughs> for the gain, which is Central AC... And the sacrifice, a much smaller table. <laughs> um, most likely. I'll but it's okay because I didn't bring my laptop by accident. But I luckily can do everything on my phone. You can do it on your phone. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm the one who who really needs a laptop because I'm like reading stuff and, you know. I can also it. read on my phone. Yeah, but see, I need like a big screen because I'm getting old. And my eyes are getting smaller and smaller by the minute. By the minute. But you're a preserved moose. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so you, that did, means your eyesight's never going to go bad because you're preserved. Okay, so I have a question. This is like complete way off the fuck base. Way off the fuck base? Yeah. I want to be on the fuck base. <laughs> <laughs> do, do mooses, do they lose their eyes? I, I mean, I know they, they might lose their eyesight. Maybe like over age and something like that. But, um... Do mooses ever need classes? Like, <laughs> you know like what? I think <laughs> I think Bullwinkle was wearing glasses. Yeah, but that's a cartoon moose. I need I need a real moose. I need we should. You need a, a real moose. I need a real moose. Ta-da! <laughs> I am it. a real moose. I figured I figured that you because you watch a lot of of nature shows. No, like, I don't. I watch shows that either involve the zoo where they uh-huh. don't have moose at all okay or i watch vet shows that also do not involve vets at all i mean moose is moose at all oh so, so it's, it's moose like for so for moose for p- moose plural it's just it's moose. like deer mm-hmm. also for deer plural is deer i didn't know that yeah also i you learned don't... something cool about fish okay what's that plural fishes no fish no fish if you have like two goldfish mm-hmm. it's fish Okay. If you have a goldfish and a clownfish, it's fishes. Okay. Well, I'm an idiot. Why? Because if you have two of the same species of mm, fish, okay. then it's just singular. Okay. Even even that's the plural is like fish. So if I got so if I got two clownfish, I still just have fish. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, I've I gained like plus one in intelligence <laughs> during this show. So yeah, it's moose is the plural of moose. What about duck? Ducks? Ducks. Ducks? Goose? Goose would be goose, right? Geese. Geese? And never mind. Minus two points. I know, point. moose should be meese, but whatever. <laughs> All right, minus two points intelligence now. <laughs> You you get extra credit if you can say chartreuse. Chartreuse. Did I say it right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the word. That's the one that used to struggle hard. Oh, you mean? Uh, I mean, that's a word I don't say often. But other words I do say often, like breakfast. I, I have an issue saying breakfast. There you go. I feel like that's more cultural than it is a personal issue of yours. 
So I will say that black people tend not to use, like, tend to say it that way. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, no, I'm serious. No, I just like how you said, like, black people, like, you, you almost say that in a very, uh, like, in an affirmative <laughs> manner. Like, oh, like, like, like I went study, to school for yeah, that. As a study of black people, I believe. <laughs> I've come to find Here out. Here is my thesis. <laughs> <laughs> Why black people can't say certain things by Kelsey. <laughs> it's just in their nature. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> all right let's i knew you'd roll your eyes at that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all right you want to hop into our our uh, review yes all right what are we uh reviewing uh our recent review is honk for jesus save your soul i just want to clarify some things before we before we get started every woman is not built for the great responsibility of being a first lady pastor lee curtis childs faces allegations of misconduct his megachurch may never be the same. Lee Curtis and I, we're going to get to the other side. Here you there. Yeah, with the big old microphone. Come in closer, son. You're going to see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> Showtime. What's up? Fresh is our turn, baby. Lee Curtis is a talent, a star. Oh, boy. Uh, we can edit around that, right? This is going to chronicle the ultimate comeback. Rocky up in this fight. Mm. Rocky didn't win. But he did win in Rocky 2. Lord, baby, how many times I gotta tell you get past the first movie? That was all set up. The synopsis is, in the aftermath of a huge scandal, Trinity Childs, the first lady of a prominent Southern Baptist megachurch, attempts to help her pastor husband, Lee Curtis Childs, rebuild their congregation. Directed and written by Adama Ibo, it stars Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. So, yeah, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, uh, a film We were directed... actually waiting for this one to come out. Yeah, like, yeah. We were excited for this one. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's, it's made in the vein of a mockumentary. Um, they don't really make mockumentaries that much anymore, or if they do, they're more on a smaller scale. Um, I kind of almost feel like The Office kind of killed it. Because Not, like, in the sense of, like, it wasn't good, but... It was, it like was over, v- oversaturated. It, yeah, it was very mm-hmm. documentary all the time. Yeah. Like how the cameras move and how they're, they always had like the people sitting and mm. telling their side of the story or whatever. Mm. I kind of feel like people are over it. That's so like late aughts. Um, I would I would actually have to disagree. And not because cause I'm just saying like you're flat wrong. I would say because um, there was... Actually, I think they just came up with a new season uh there's this documentary series or this mockumentary series called uh documentary now mm-hmm. which essentially makes an entire mockumentary of well-known documentaries that were like that everybody watched like one it's like um i think it's called like the bell gardens documentary which is like following uh jackie o's cousin as they're like in a decrepit house oh. and like all this kind of stuff and they do like there's like another uh mockumentary they do on uh, what's it called? Um, uh, oh, the name's escaping me right now. It's a band. See, if Megan was on, she'd be like naming them like off, like left and right. Um, there's a band. How did I get here? It's, I, I, the names escape me right now, but they do. They did a documentary, a concert documentary, and documentary now did a mockumentary of that concert documentary. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty much like. If you, um, 
See, I keep wanting to say the name of the of the band. I keep wanting to say Tears for Fears. It's not Tears for Fears. I don't Talking Heads. Woo! Came out like a hard dump. <laughs> Talking Heads. That's the docu that's it's called Stop I think it's called Stop Making Sense. I think that's the name of the documentary. Mm-hmm. And they did their version of it. And there's a bunch of other stuff. There's like three or four seasons of that. But I get what you're saying, like the saturation the saturation of certain documentaries, uh, or mockumentaries, like the office kind of like beat it to death. And then there was um, Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. which is kind of, is the same for, same formula, but like a bit different, not as awkward. I mm-hmm. actually would say I like that show more than The Office. Office is just filled with nothing but awkwardness. Um, also, mm-hmm. what we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows is a great example. Uh, Abbott Elementary, which is on NBC, a huge hit show. Mm-hmm. That is a great example. It's it's a inner city elementary school. So it's like a lot of like different uh, minorities in the cast and stuff like that. Like it's predominantly black cast. Um, that is a great mockumentary show. It's actually very wholesome, but they don't hit too hard on the awkwardness where it's like cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. So it's enjoyable to watch. Um, with that being said, not this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it didn't lean hard enough into the mockumentary style right yeah yeah there was like a couple of parts in it um where they kind of broke the mockumentary fourth wall i guess you can say or or i'm sorry they they, they, they went back into yeah, it yeah they went back into it you know there's not into that's the not a, walls yeah it's not a spoiler or anything but they kind of like they the the format it's like a mixture of like film and mockumentary and i'm not saying it, it doesn't work because of this movie no, actually, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> it doesn't work because of this movie. It could work before, but it seems like it wasn't leaning hard into, like, what could be established as in jokes or the message it was trying to convey or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's, what's your opinion on this? I feel like I'm going to take... Oh, hit the mic again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I felt like it didn't lean hard enough into being a mockumentary, and, and I'm mm-hmm. kind of irritated a little bit by it because I saw part of an interview where Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall were doing like a little interview and um, how it's a you know a mockumentary and blah 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 they don't really like you know like what do you like better mockumentary like comedies or dramas Mm -hmm. you know do you like documentaries or mockumentaries and they're like well documentaries well now we have to say mockumentary and I'm like but it's not really a mockumentary like it didn't bother me until I watched the movie oh okay now I don't like that interview oh really okay. <laughs> because of that reason um but I also mm-hmm. think that it's lacking in humor yeah there wasn't like a, there. I mean there were a couple of moments where I did chuckle a bit but there was nothing like that like nothing that I saw that was either clever clever funny or like laugh out loud funny. and it wasn't even awkward funny yeah yeah it was just awkward yeah, yeah or like they honestly i watched it by myself and i got a little irritated because i was like mm-hmm. don't don't tell me that we're gonna start watching movies like more on our own and i'm just gonna I'm not enjoy any of them and i honestly was like i hope that's not it and i also hope that it, because it's like black people in a church that I'm gonna be like things are going over my head Honestly, or something. I that was one of my fears because you weren't really raised around uh, a lot of black people or like in the black church community like myself, and I, 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 I didn't because I, like you know a little bit behind the scenes uh, information. 
uh, for those who don't know, Kelsey and I tend to watch these movies together. We tend to watch the recent review and the geriatric cinematic together. Um, because, you know, when you watch it with a crowd, you're better, or with another person, you're able to kind of, like, get off of, <laughs> get off, sounds so wrong. <laughs> you're able to, like, feed off of, like, that person's energy, like, or enjoyment. Or even, like, if they don't like it, then you can find out why they don't like it, why you don't like it. And you can have, like, an interesting discussion. Um, and it helps you, like, digest the film better. It's not just yeah. about, like, the the um, instant gratification of talking about something. But yeah. more more or less, like, there are times where you bring something up that totally helps me understand a movie better. Yeah, yeah. So like Before with, the show. So with this one, I was kind of like, shit, I should have told Kelsey to, like, hold off on watching Hong, uh, Hong for Jesus. Because I, I honestly thought I was like... Kelsey probably won't be getting like at least fifty percent of the jokes in the movie, but we do. But you did end up watching it. You mm. end up watching it the second time with me, and it was like the, my first time watching it, and still it was like, meh. It eh. was. It felt just as flat for me yeah. the second time. Mm-hmm. And also, there's um, there are to me. I always get caught up on like other people's emotions when things start getting real. And especially towards the end, I, I started to feel that a little bit, but not enough because by the end of the movie, I still didn't care enough about the characters. Yeah, yeah, and I and, and it's funny because Regina Hall, she's fucking hilarious. Like any other time, she is actually really funny. Like in her stuff, you know, one of her most prominent roles is obviously is like the scary movie movies, um, but she has like great comedic timing. I don't think Sterling K. Brown has that. And it sucks because I like Sterling K. Brown a lot as an actor. But I can't really think of a comedy I saw. I can't really think of a, a, something he was in as a comedy. I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, he's, he's, got, he's got the comedic timing for I it. I don't think I've ever seen him in a comedy. So I can't say that he does or he doesn't. Yeah. But I don't think if she wasn't hitting it, mm. And I don't think it was his fault that he wasn't hitting it either. Yeah. I think it was just was written poorly. Okay. Well, with that being said, um, which which other than saying what was that your you think the writing was written poorly? Anything specific without going to spoilers that uh, like an overall thought on the writing for the for the movie? On the writing for the movie, I'm disappointed that. That I didn't even get the chance to miss 50% of the jokes. <laughs> Damn. No, but, like, seriously, the mm-hmm. thing is, is, like, if you're going to go into something like that, and it, and it wants to be, like, a like a, a statement or whatever, mm-hmm. there should be something that I was missing. Yeah. Like, they don't lean hard enough into any of the issues. They're, they're, they gloss over everything, almost like like a white person who doesn't understand everything Mm. so they just they know what to talk about but they don't know how to talk about it which i think is funny because there's plenty of things to say about the church community and more specifically like the black church community about some mega churches even mega churches yeah and about like some of the contradiction that goes along or even like family and how religion is in family Mm. or even like how (laughs) it's essentially like i don't want to say it's a scam because because you know we might have church churchgoers who are listeners, but obviously like this movie had the opportunity to be like you know the church the religious establishment the business side of it can be kind of bullshitty 
as mm-hmm. like and and the funny thing is like there are parts of, in the movie where Sterling K. Brown is talking about his wardrobe about well he has clothes and stuff like that right like mm-hmm. expensive clothes but like they don't lean into it like well either a this is awkwardly funny about all the clothes he has or b um this is a serious fucking problem that needs to be like addressed it yeah yeah that's what i that's so that's what i think too is like i feel like this movie is somehow whiter than me (laughs) damn if that makes any sense I, I don't just th- because it glosses over everything. I don't think it's okay. I don't think it's whiter than you. What I think is that because this is this is this is actually based off of a short film. I think the short film is maybe like five to seven minutes long, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, you would know that. <laughs> well, yeah, I got to do my research. <laughs> um, but most of it is done from the perspective, and this movie does it too. It does it does a, it comes from the perspective of the wife, but more like one particular moment. As they're trying to like um, get their congregation back and stuff like that, right? Like mm-hmm. there's like the scandal and everything like that. But it seems like there's so much material that they could have used that could have stre- that could have been used for like the this movie was like what an hour and forty eight minutes or something like that. Um, that would have been cool if it was only seventy. Seventy minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it seems like it's not like there's enough material, but they don't have enough weight to it which i think like they needed a comedy writer like a yeah. comedy writer yeah yeah um, like i swear um keegan michael key would have been great for this oh to add for writing mm-hmm. um okay so this okay so this is uh what's what's the homegirl's name uh anadema ebo um I believe it was actually twins that wrote this. Um, yeah, they've only done like short, uh, short. Yeah, short episode. Not sorry, th- short films, and then this is their first feature. It feels like, and that's, and I think that's the problem. It's written, but not written for the for a feature length mm-hmm. to like stretch it out. You know. Yeah. Hell, you know what? If they even like turned it into a series where you get bites in it, that would have been great. I think that would have worked out a lot better. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it's just like it's. I, it honestly, feels like wasted potential. Mm-hmm. Um, Is there I, anything you liked about it? I did like some of the directing, and here's why: it just looked great. I thought the color saturation. I usually, don't yeah. like that much color in a movie. Yeah. But it had a lot of color, and I loved it. I think what I think well, to to be more specific, the cinematography, mm-hmm. like the the parts where they went, they were where they put up that fourth wall, mm-hmm. and between the the husband and wife, I did enjoy that. Like like I said, there are you mo- didn't like that they did that because you liked the mockumentary style, but yeah, but the when way they how they did it, do it, but the, but when they did do it, 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 that's and that's the thing. It's like the here it is. It's like two. It's like two fucking movies. We're watching two movies that are meshed together, and they took out all the deleted. They deleted a lot of the good stuff. That's <laughs> what it like, feels like. It's like they took the uh, the emulsifier out. The what? Emulsifier. What's that? Um, it's the thing that helps oil and water stay mixed. Oh yeah, 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 yes, yes. Fucking correct, Amundo. That's it. That is it. 
this movie is like oil and fucking water and they're mix they're missing the what's it called emulsifier emulsifier that's the that's the fucking problem there, I'm a nerd. <laughs> there are parts where it's like dramatic and it works because i'm like okay that's the oil <laughs> yeah i'm getting invested and there's a the parts that are comedy that kind of works but you just add a, add a little bit more water into it and it just goes <laughs> like nothing nothing comes out of it um but back to what i was saying I did enjoy the cinematography, like with the dramatic part, because they changed the format to like a letterbox, mm-hmm. and um, I felt like I felt like uh, what's it called? Uh, Westworld kind of spoiled me with this because during the show, not not spoiling Westworld, um, during the show, whenever they get they want to, they give the audience an idea that maybe they're in a different reality. Mm-hmm. They there's a way it looks different, and it makes sense, right? And, but and when they make it look like that, it looks clean it looks crisp it looks beautiful it almost looks 3d and this movie they were doing that and and hung for jesus they were doing that but at the same time it was like yo you're taking me out of the mockumentary part now Mm -hmm. and that was like the biggest problem i had with this movie was like i like what i'm seeing but just not in this movie yeah just not in this movie (laughs) now is not the time (laughs) you know and they and there's plenty of ways they could have like and like those moments where they're like trying to have like the dramatic part the more revealing parts like oh these were these people are really like behind closed doors there are ways to get around that like there are completely different ways to get around that to kind of make it like um key example key example um have you ever watched the docuseries uh the jinx no you would enjoy this oh i know you enjoy this because you like that 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 docuseries the stairs so the jinx oh the staircase yeah the staircase so the jinx follows this guy who's from this wealthy family and he has a series of like lovers that die on him but he's always been the suspect of those those deaths but never caught mm-hmm. right and he's and he really seems like this guy who just probably just has the worst luck in the world right mm-hmm. and then they find out something about him the document the documentarian actually finds out something about him that's like holy shit it's like i remember when they first aired it on hbo that's what everybody talked about for like three days and they were talking about it like the ethical the if it was unethical how he caught the footage and what he what the guy was said and or what he said and all this kind of stuff and it it it, it went really well but that's what i'm getting when you do a documentary it's like you're supposed to reveal something of the the subject you know, mm-hmm. and document document documentaries. They shoot hours upon hours upon hours of footage, then break it through and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. When you have a mockumentary, you can do it. It just you don't have to do hours upon hours upon hours. Just go like, okay, I can control the scene. This is how the reveal happens. Boom. Yeah. We don't need to put up that fourth wall. Yeah. That that clearly wasn't there. That shouldn't have been there to begin with. Yeah. All right, that's my rant. My rant's over. <laughs> That's why your boy rant. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, you want to get to the spoiler section? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. What was that for? We've already been talking about this movie long enough. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we have to do it. Yeah, we have to do it. We have to do it. Um, Keep it up. All right. So we're going to hop into the spoiler section. Um, we're going to talk in great lengths about uh, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. If you don't want to be spoiled, here's your spoiler bumper right about now.
Hola. All right. I felt like I talked her head off. What what, what do you got to say about this movie? <laughs> In the spoiler section. Um. Let's see. I felt like you couldn't tell that either one of these actors had any funny bone in their body. Um, Even though, like, Regina Hall is trying her hardest. I really feel like she was trying. She was just smiling a lot. Yeah, and that's the thing. She was doing the awkward things that were... She was like, I'm a good wife. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need to see that. I don't really care about anyone trying to be a good wife. Mm -hmm. Like, I just... I, I don't know, like... Um... I think the funniest, uh, the funniest part mm-hmm. was, uh, I guess the idea of only having five congregants in this huge ass church, but the execution of it fell flat. I actually forgot about those five congregants that were still around until like I was looking through like the trailers to like get the sound bites. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, that. That's a plot that happens for, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. Or, like... It's really hard to think of something that's really funny. <laughs> I know there was something that got a chuckle out of me. Oh, I think it was the, the Black Jesus. Oh, that, that was towards the end? Mm-hmm. Why... why, why the, how did that get a chuckle out of you? What's funny about that? It's just so ridiculous how they were using it to, like... Oh, to get more honks. To get or, more honks. And it's so funny, mm-hmm. like, if you really think about it, mm-hmm. the juxtaposition of we're trying to get honks for Jesus, but they're also using, like, the black Jesus, like, yeah, l- like almost, like, appropriating his image or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I get you. <laughs> um, I think the the one part that actually kind of got me laughing, and not, not very much, was um, the part where Sterling K. Brown is is doing his sermon in front of the five conjugates. Um, and then uh, he's, like, taking off his clothes and stuff like that, and he's showing, like, his shredded body. Mm. And, like, the the mother are, is, like, looking, and the daughter's, like, wide-eyed, like, holy shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I thought that was pretty funny, and how he, like, walked away. Like, he took, he borderline took off all his clothes and, like, walked away, and it was just, like, that's very inappropriate, but that's so kind of funny. Um, that got me laughing. Not too hard, but like it got me, it got like a chuckle. A out of chuckle. Me. Yeah, and um, yep, that's all I can think of. I'm, tr- I'm really it's like even the clothing scene wasn't funny. Oh, with like, like the Prada, Prada clothes. He just kept saying Prada. Yeah, yeah. Like they kept going through like this idea of like he got all this Prada product, which is, you know, it's. It, you know, I understand what they were trying to get at, but at the same time, it was just like, all right, let's go ahead and run this joke into the ground. That's not even that. That's not even that funny. No. Like I think it probably would have been funnier if they could be mm. like, give you a context of, this is where I got this from. Oh yeah, this was like, like oh, this was like three sermons right here or some shit. This or is, like like this senator gifted me this out of the kindness of his own heart. Yeah, because exactly. I did this for his daughter or her son or whatever. Yeah, and there. I'm sorry, go on. And, like, you just keep going on like that, like, different, like, oh, and I got this cute little bear-jeweled fucking purse for this weird, awkward thing. You know, yeah. like, yeah. they didn't do any of that. Yeah, I mean, even if, like, um, like, even, like, okay, 
So, with that being said, do you think that this movie would have done better if they had, like I, like I said, they have Regina Hall, who is a comedian, it's a comedian actor, um, and then there's Sterling King Brown, who doesn't really do comedy. Do you think, do you think it would have done better if they had more, if if the, if they had two two comedian uh, actors no. as husband and wife? Oh, you, you still think that would have worked so. out? Mm-mm. So I, I so I would assume like that I think the person would have to be such a high caliber like mm-hmm. a Robin Williams that can mm-hmm. just like, um, what's the word? They could, they could have got like Damon Wayans Jr. I think Damon Wayans Jr. would have been really fucking funny. He's able to um, what's the word? Hmm. Improvise. Is he able yeah. to improvise? Oh yeah, yeah. Because like improv is the thing that I think might have made this film. Great. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's what it was lacking. I think the the writers, I think, might have been hoping that the actors would be able to carry it. Um, so let me here. Let me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up some some black comedians. Comedian comedians or comedians. Comedian actors. No, there's. You know how there's actors and actresses. Yeah. There's comedians and comedians. Okay. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so let me, let me, let me bring up a recent list, okay? Because they have like Eddie, <laughs> they have like Eddie Murphy here, Chris Rock. I'm like, all right, no, I, I need like current list. Um, oh, you know what? Let me see. No, he could. have... I'm trying to think of like who would have been an older. I think David Wayne Jr. would have been pretty funny. Um, Homeboy for everybody hates Chris. He's on the show Abbott Abbott oh, Elementary yeah. mm-hmm. now. He would have been great on it. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's an improv guy. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think about Kevin Hart? Fuck that guy. <laughs> That's what I think about. You're just not a fan of his, of his stand-up. Oh, you know, I get him and Chris Rock confused a lot. Oh, you you really hate Chris Rock. That's oh, the you one know I fucking could've... hate. Um, but I don't who... like Kevin Hart either that much. <laughs> you know who could have been good? Uh... Little Real Hari? Who's that? Uh, I'm trying to think of something that you might have seen him in. Okay, the best thing... the, the uh, Get Out. The friend from Get Out. The one who was the... the, the he's, actually, he's actually really fucking funny. I don't like how he was written in that movie, so I don't know. Uh, I, I like that movie, but he was like a fucking joke in that movie. Mm. He was like a parody of black people in that movie. Yeah, he was the voice of black people in that movie. No, he was a parody. I didn't. I didn't really take him as a parody. He was like over the top, like not. I, he was like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Um, Anthony Anderson. Who's that? He's from, he's from Blackish. I didn't watch that. You didn't watch that? He could have done a. He probably could have done a decent job. Actually, I think he would have done a pretty good job as as the as the lead uh, as the lead actor. I think he would have been pretty good. I'm just, I'm just, now I'm just thinking of like black comedians who like would have worked or comedian actors who you know who, who might have done okay hmm. Donald Glover because he's really fucking smart that's true he can but be funny that's true but he, he he's like I don't even think I he think really he act- improvs in like a really straight man kind of way though <gasps> yeah he could have done that yeah 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 that would have worked for him well I want to say yes but also I had to say no because he I felt like because you need like a season 
he need you need like a seasoned pastor. And Donald Donald Glover, he doesn't look like a seasoned pastor. He looks like he looked like he'd be like one of the new age pastors or some shit like that. <laughs> he probably would have been good for the couple, the yeah, young couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he like stuck with comedy like like that. Um, I also think those the young couple that mm-hmm. was on in the competing church. Yeah, that whole storyline was a throwaway. Yeah, I get what they were trying to say with that about how it can be this like this is like another this is like another couple that's the head of a church that'll probably follow the same path as what happened to Sterling King Brown and Regina Hall's character, but it kind of like was like it was so thin. They it, weren't funny, and there was yeah. no reason to really see them. Yeah, just as like the competition, and like that's it. Yeah. Um. Okay, so do you think in any way could this movie have been saved? Uh, well, yeah, like if they would have had a better director. Better director, okay. Um, if they cast people who could improv. Mm-hmm. Um, they added some more insight and make it a little bit deeper while still making it funny. Yeah. Don't gloss over things as much. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> then you might have had a hit. <laughs> um, what about yeah. you? Uh, better, like, pretty much the same thing. Don't gloss over Like, if you're going to say something, say something. Don't gloss over it. Over the writing would have helped out a whole lot better. Um, or a bit more. Or uh, improv. Well, that's the thing. Like, because you can, you, can you can still write and improv. It, uh, Judd Apatow is like a great example of like writing a script and just letting the actors just go, like just go, just go. Whatever we'll use, we'll use. You know, mm-hmm. which you could, they could do that. But all, but following like being a comedian and then doing improvisation, they're like two. They're obviously like two fucking games and everything. You know, um, you know, Kelsey and I, we watch stand up. We've seen improv and stuff like that. Right? and we both enjoy them. You know, but I think with with this mockumentary improvisation would have worked out a whole lot would have worked out a lot, whole lot better mm-hmm. in this case but yeah, unfortunately it, it didn't work out no um sad dolphin noises what is this what is a sad dolphin noise is that it i think so do you think about the <laughs> rav4 that i rented oh that <laughs> poor dolphin <laughs> um so yeah i mean you're in the spoiler section, so if you haven't watched it, I, I, I'd say skip this one. Skip it. Yeah. One hundo. Don't even <laughs> fold laundry to it. Oof. That'll make you. That'll make you pay more attention to fold laundry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So what do we got next? Next, we're gonna do our variety time. talk about the shit show on the island we're not talking about fire festival we are talking about richard stanley's island of dr moreau's the island of what the island of doctor what are you looking at the the thing that you wrote <laughs> oh okay 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 sorry, sorry 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 okay take two <laughs> okay yeah okay yeah so <laughs> i'm like what is she reading duh she's reading mark's dumb writing <laughs> All right, so <laughs> since we're doing, since we're doing like docu- mockumentaries, right? And mockumentaries, they're mainly like shit shows, shit shows that happen, 
that's like the it's comedy ensues, you know, um, like Hung for Jesus, Save Yourself, which hasn't had much comedy, but it's supposed to be like the shit show of what happens, Spinal Tap, the shit show of what happens when a tour when when a band goes on tour and all this kind of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of other documentaries like uh, or mockumentaries. Um, I'm trying to think of the Christopher Guest ones, A Fairy Home Companion, or like Best in Show and stuff like that, right? So with that being said, um, I wanted to talk about a documentary about a shit show that happened, and it was a production of The Island of Dr. Moreau, which was uh, a film based off of an H.G. novel, uh, 1986 novel. Um, Uh, H.G. Wells? Yeah, H.G. Wells, thank you. Um, The Island of Dr. Moreau, let me get the exact date of the movie... Which is the island of Dr. Moreau, which I'm trying to find to find the date. Because he didn't link it. Which is 1996. <laughs> <laughs> See? Uh, Saved it. it. <laughs> Saved it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what happened was there there's there's been tall tales about this about the, the shit show of this production. Mm-hmm. And I saw this documentary that just covers the shit show, right? It was a fucking interesting documentary. Um, and I, I'm i going to pull excerpts from uh, this article from Ranker. Uh, it's called The Making of The Island of Dr. Moreau Was a Disastrous Nightmare. Uh, it was published in 2020. Um, okay, so. As the excerpt goes, The Island of Dr. Moreau will top any list of total nightmare film productions and the magnificent Hollywood fails. The shoot was doomed from the start with an inexperienced film director and an insane uh, behind-the-scenes drama. Uh, In 2014, director David Gregory released a documentary called Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. The doc predominantly depicts the sordid tale of newbie director Richard Stanley. Um, now, if that name doesn't sound familiar, it's because he's, he did two, uh, like, independent films. Uh, one, I think, one, I think it's called, like, Hardwire, and the other one's called, like, The Dusk and the Devil. I think that's the name of the movies. Um, and those were the movies that, like, got him noticed by New Line Cinema to make this movie. Um, and I imagine that he he's killed New Line Cinema. <laughs> he didn't kill New Line Cinema, but New Line Cinema nearly killed him. <laughs> um, but he directed this movie for a time and then didn't direct anything for decades mm-hmm. until he did a movie with Nicholas Cage that came out a couple years ago called, called like The Color of Space or something like that. Um, so, uh, so as, as I was saying, Richard Stanley and his dream project of adapting one of his favorite childhood books, H.G. Wells' 1896 science fiction novel, novel, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Apart from being in a way, uh, being in way over his head, the director had never helmed a big budget movie before. There were two prima donna actors to contend with. One was famed method actor Marlon Brando. The other was uh, egomaniac Val Kilmer, who, although young, had already gained a reputation for being hard to work with. Um, have you seen that documentary, Val? No. 
you should really check it out. It's really good, but you really see how much of a fucking asshole he was. He hmm. still kind of is. Um, isn't isn't he the one with the stoma? Or he is? Yeah, he got he got uh, th- uh, throat, throat cancer. cancer. Yeah. Um, so, as the exer- as the article continues. The disastrous making of the Island Dark Throne makes for a cautionary tale around passion projects and filmmaking. See, last week we just talked about a passion project, mm-hmm. the, the Men Who Killed Don Quixote. Not to mention provides some crazy Marlon Brando stories. It's an epic tale that result, resulted in one of the biggest box office bombs in film history. Uh, so one section titled, Richard Stanley only lasted three days as director before being ousted. Director Richard Stanley read H.G. Will's book, The Island of Dark Throne's Child. It was the 29-year-old South African filmmaker's dream to adapt the source material into a major motion picture. Now, in the documentary, he goes into detail about why he loves this, why he loves this book, and the, the history of that, and the history of the Island of Dr. Moreau and In the Heart of Darkness, which was later turned into Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. and how they are two very similar stories, and how. Um, H.G. Wells sued that author for The Heart of Darkness, which his name was like Con. I think his name was like Conrad. I don't say Conrad Stanley, but Conrad something. Um, Everybody has a last name Stanley. I know, right? So back to the article. Stanley spent four years working on the script before landing a production deal with New Line Cinema. But when the director went into pre-production, things quickly started to fall apart. It would ultimately be Val Kilmer's outrageous demands and behavior that led to Stanley's firing. The director felt that the actor was purposely and audibly mumbling his lines, showing up late for his his call his call time, and even reading off other actors' lines. Just mere days into production, New Line Cinema determined that Stanley could not make ho- take hold of his actors. They hired the Manchurian Candidate director John Frankenheimer to handle duties behind the camera. Frankenheimer was 65 years old at the time, and he was not really making anything good at that time. Um, the story goes is that like. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? I'll hold off on that because because the article goes into detail like why why Val Kilmer was in the role and not somebody else in particular that Richard Stanley wanted. So, most of the documentary Law Soul focuses on Richard Stanley. His only success was a low budget sci fi movie called Hardwire and the relatively unknown Dust Devil. That's those are the name of the two movies. Stanley spent years on development. Many of his ideas, however, were difficult to translate to a live action movie. Major recasting in the film's lead actors led to Val Kilmer's participation, 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 participation. Thank you, in the film, and he quickly proved to be an unruly employee. The studio blamed Stanley for being unable to handle the actor, and after three days of filming unusable footage, they they fired Stanley via fax. <laughs> <laughs> just, just imagine that. Just like, <laughs> all right, he's coming in. <laughs> All right, you're okay. Fire. <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> I've never heard of anyone getting fired by fax. It's like worse than text, worse than email. I know, like even, who the fuck gets fired by I know, fax? Fact. I even like the decency to be like, hey, hey, Richard, I'm talking to you on the phone. You're gonna get fired. <laughs> no fax. <laughs> <laughs> Not even he, the dude doesn't even get enough respect to get a fucking phone call, like piece how, of paper. Passive aggressive, <laughs> seriously. Because it could take like it's like you don't want to face the person physically. <laughs> you don't want to hear them instantly on the phone. You yeah. can even an email would be in, instant. Yeah. But you know, like you give like fifteen minutes to be like, 
all right, I'm going to run. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And like you said, this is 1996. It's not like they didn't have telephones. It's not like... Or email. Or email. Or like... They my, also my, had cell phones. Mind you, they were shooting in Australia, but I, I'm pretty sure somebody could have called somebody else and said, hey, da-da-da-da, tell Stanley he's fucking fired. Or have him call me and I'll tell him myself. Boom. That's all. Yeah. No, facts. <laughs> Even fucking sat phone, something. <laughs> sat phone, fucking carrier pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> he gets a paper. Fired. Fuck. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> translation: You're fired. <laughs> All right. So originally, Bruce Willis was cast to play Edward Douglas in the film. James Wood was cast as Doctor Moreau's assistant, Doctor Montgomery. Right before the filming began, Willis dropped. Willis dropped. Uh, out of the film later, uh, out of the film later, the timing would in- indicate it was because of his impending divorce with Demi Moore. Uh, the documentary goes over this. He said Bruce Willis had said that he can't be out of the country for six months because he's he he's going through a divorce. He can't deal with this. Um, Willis was replaced by Val Kilmer. Unfortunately, Val Kilmer was being sued for divorce oh <laughs> at the God. exact same time because of Kilmer's personal situation he wanted 40% reduction of his work schedule Stanley was able to meet the demand by giving Kilmer the role originally meant for James Wood which means Wood's just gone now mm-hmm. um, then Northern Exposure's uh, Rob Merrill was brought in to play Kilmer's original role however Merrill got a taste of the mayhem and asked to leave the production he was replaced by David uh, Thulis okay who's a British actor uh, it's funny because like they don't even talk about how Dave, David Dulles is opinion on it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They just mainly talk about like they mainly talk to Rob Merrill in the documentary. They don't talk to Val Kilmer. It's only so many people like they can get. Um, but like they go into detail of like um, how Richard Stanley because it, it's 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 money. It, it all boils down to money. So to get the to get the production what they wanted, they had to get dames. Right, and you you have to uh, actually. I think Kelsey, you should check out this documentary because the creature design, absolutely fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like whoa, this movie is gonna easily cost like eighty million dollars to make. Mm-hmm. Right, um, so to get the money, they had a they had to tie big names to it. One of the big names was Marlon Brando, it, and Richard Stanley was like, as soon as Marlon Brando was attached, it was greenlit. Everything was escrow. We we're ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Val Kilmer wanted to. Uh, they were going to bring Val Kilmer on because he was coming off the success of Batman Forever. But when Richard Stanley met Val Kilmer, he instantly was like, I don't like this guy. This guy's <laughs> full of shit. And Val Kilmer did not hide the fact that he was like, I don't really feel, I'm not really feeling this movie, but I guess I'll do it. You know, that kind of attitude. Yeah. So, like I said, Brando was brought on, right? Before filming had begun, the production experienced a more personal tragedy. Brando's 25-year-old daughter, uh, China, committed, committed suicide. The production continued without its lead act, lead character. He wasn't there for most of the fucking filming. Jesus Christ. Okay. So here's what happens. Uh, so Richard Stanley's gone. Right. Three days, he's gone. He's like... Hold on. Let me see if it's later in the article. Because I kind of don't want to spoil it. Uh, okay. 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 All right. So, Mr. Stanley's gone, but his story doesn't end there, <laughs> okay? So, back to what happened with, uh, with uh, Frankenheimer, Frank, John Frankenheimer coming on board. 
Uh, every day before shooting, the actor and director would meet. This is Brando and Frankenheimer, right? Brando would meet, would offer up some script changes that he felt would make the film better. Frankenheimer would often submit to the almost daily revisions. One of the changes offered up by Brando was his entire face was covered up in a white makeup, right? Why? <laughs> Brando was like, I'm out in the sun all the time. My character should be all in like white makeup all the fucking time. Okay. I know, right? Another was that Moreau would sometimes put an ice bucket on his head for no apparent reason other than <laughs> other than its eccentricity. By far, Brando's oddest contribution to the film was his request that his, his character always appear on screen with a little person dressed like him. What? They had this actor. His name was like something Gomez. He, he, was, he was actually considered the smallest person in the world. Like he was like 13 inches. Tall. Like that so was, he was like a primordial dwarf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what, I think that's what they're called. Yeah, and what happened was that Brando liked liked that guy so much, he was like, he's going to be my assistant now. Like, in every scene, he's going to be my assistant. And they were like, well, Brando, like, he can't really speak English. And he was like, no, 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 I'll dub it for him. I'll, I'll translate for him. <laughs> he probably couldn't translate, though. <laughs> no, no, he, did, he couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't. He just did it anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, it's like me. I'm bring pocket and patches to me. Exactly. They're gonna meow, <laughs> and I'm gonna translate for them. Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like you know, Spanish, the Spanish language is a Spanish language, you know. But Brandon didn't understand Spanish at all. <laughs> like patches would be like meow meow, and I'll be like move, bitch. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> okay. So on to what's going on with Val Kilmer. By the mid-1990s, Val Kilmer was one of the most popular stars in Hollywood. Kilmer was intent on acting like a baby from the day one of shooting. It should be noted that Kilmer's wife had served in papers prior to the start of the film, and the actor tried to get out of the project. However, he was under contract and a huge star at the time, and the producers would not let him leave. He retaliated by arriving the set. Two days late, Kilmer also immediately began bullying the unexperienced Richard Stanley. Mm-hmm. Richard Stanley thinks the reason why his, his career went nowhere is because of Al Kilmer, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, they, during the documentary, they were talking to this one actor. I forgot what his name is. He was a German actor. And he even saw, he, like, the interaction. He goes, oh, this is like a power play. Val Kilmer is, like, straight up trying to take over the whole thing. Um, I hope Val Kilmer feels shitty about it now. <sighs> the, the Val documentary covers that, but you still get a sense of, like, his ego is still... Alive and well. Yeah, alive and well. Uh, he would alter his dialogue in the scenes and negotiate to have a German there we go, German actor Marco Hoffenscheider role severely slashed because he thought the actor was taking attention away from him. Okay. To top everything off, Kilmer is Kilmer, a usually talented actor, delivers a poor performance in the movie. He's, he has mumbled dialogue, often understood. Uh, sorry, often hard to understand. Uh, when production rat Frankenheimer ordered the crew to get the bastard off my set, he also said, "I don't like Val Kilmer. I don't like his work ethic. I don't want to be associated with him ever again." He's not the first director to say this. <laughs> so, Kilmer requested the crew call him Mr. Kilmer, and he was referred to as a prep school bully by one crew member. However, that was nothing compared to Kilmer putting out a cigarette on the face of an unsuspecting cameraman. 
However, one witness recalled he burned the cameraman right on his face and no, he wasn't fooling around. It was intentional. So they cover in the documentary. Apparently what happened was that they, there was a cameraman who, because they're just shooting in the jungle. They're not, people aren't really being able to take care of themselves, like shave and, you know, hygiene kind of stuff. This dude had huge sideburns, right? They got really like... Bushy. Bushy, right? Kilmer had a cigarette. The dude like kneeled down to do something and was like looking at the camera. Kilmer got a cigarette and was like, oh, okay, and just put it just put it on the sideburn to burn his to burn his sideburns off. The fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Makes no sense. So in the next section, Brando did not bother to learn his lines. <laughs> the production was constantly revising the script, so Brando did not bother to learn his lines. The thespian received his dialogue through an earpiece, which was read to him word for word by his assistant. Sometime- the one who doesn't speak English? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. This is like... No. <laughs> no, no. This is like his actual, his actual assistant. That was so fucking funny. <laughs> so, but here's what happens. Sometimes the signal would get crossed. With a local police scanner. Oh, shit. <laughs> in one case, this David David Thulis had, uh, Thulis had said that at one point, Brando had said, there's a robbery at Woolworths. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So, what happened to Richard Stanley? He, he got fired by facts. <laughs> Like I said, that wasn't the end of his story. <laughs> Producers felt that Stanley might be so upset after getting fired that he would sabotage the movie. They had a production assistant take him to the airport to make sure he got on his flight to the United States. However, Stanley eluded the PA and skipped his flight. About a month later, a group of extras found Stanley living in the jungle, eating yams and smoking pot. He had, oh. su- <laughs> he had suffered a nervous breakdown following his early termination and was now curious to see how the production was faring without him. Stanley drew a plan and sneaked to sneak back onto set by wearing a stolen dog hybrid costume. According, according to Stanley, Frankenheimer had no idea it was him and ordered the fire director around to do production tasks. So the story goes, is like, um, during the production, because there were so many, so many days they weren't doing shit like mm-hmm. the extras so they would just hang around they would drink they would smoke they would party they have sex like they do drugs and everything right and a couple of PAs had found out that that Richard Stanley was like living on a farm with his well Richard Stanley t- tells it himself but he he was living on a farm with a dude who had no legs and he was taking care of him okay <laughs> but he would but the, but the extras would find found him and he would hang out with him so what happens is that Richard Stanley couldn't go back on... He couldn't go anywhere near the set. He had to be like... He said he said 40 kilometers. I don't know how far that is in feet or miles. But what happened was that he was not allowed to be 40 kilometers closer to uh, the set. Otherwise, New Life Cinema wouldn't pay him his money, his full fee. So what happened was that he was able to sneak onto the set, right? Uh-huh. Wearing the dog hybrid. And the, he's actually in the fucking movie in the background like they showed pictures of him in the movie right i think 40 kilometers is like a few miles oh okay (laughs) well they like i said they were afraid that he was actually gonna like burn down the set and there were plenty of times where they were like there was like scenes where like something had to be lit on fire and how much is 40 almost 25 miles almost 25 miles (laughs) 
So there were scenes where like characters had to like set stuff on fire, mm-hmm. and Frank. What the story goes is that somebody handed handed uh, Richard Stanley, not knowing it was him, a torch, and was like, "Hey, go burn down that stuff for the movie." Right. What the fuck? So, but he literally could have been like, "I can literally burn this fucker down if I want to," and that was the thing. That was the thing the producers were afraid of. They would burn down <laughs> the set. Um. So to continue on, um, the production was a complete nightmare for British actor David uh, uh, Tullis. Uh, I feel like I'm saying his name wrong. T H E W L I S. Uh, Tulis. Tulis. Okay, thank you. David Tulis was brought to play Edward Douglas after Robert Mer- Rob Merrill left the production. It was a cast decision that Tulis. Tulis. Tulis would ultimately regret. Tulis explained, "We would get pages and pages every day, and you read them and think, well, these are shit as well." <laughs> the actor also broke his leg while riding a horse at the beginning of the shoot. Um, so, the direction. Okay. Former director Richard Tan- Stanley secretly snuck into the set where he noted that Frankenheimer spent so much time dealing with the diva antics of both Kilmer and Brando that he he had to hand off directing duties to film to the film's behavior specialist Peter Elliott. Not only did Elliott not have any experience directing, but he was he was playing a baboon in the picture, making his orders <laughs> through the costume to the cast and crew nearly incomprehensible. Incompre- <laughs> so there's a, there's literally a baboon, a baboon like, <laughs> did, did he get fired by facts? No. <laughs> so Brand, so the relationship between Brando Kilmer, the hostility between the actors grew and grew until it resulted in both actors resorting to alter, uh, utterly uh, inflate behavior. As uh, as the documentary reveals, Lost Souls documentary, the entire cast and crew suffered because of the feud between Brando and Kilmer. The production lost an entire day of filming because each refused to come out of his trailer before the other. Um, however, Kilmer remembers things completely different. During a Reddit and AMA Reddit in 2017, Kilmer had nothing but nice things to say about working with Brando and reasons that he can't be to blame for the film's poor reception. Uh, he said, uh, Brando was everything you want uh, the major icon in your world to be, a genius and a gentleman. I was getting divorced at the time, and he was so gracious about offering offering me time and considering thought, considered thought. He, often, <laughs> he offered to call my ex on behalf of the children. He was one of the friendliest men on earth. I still laugh out loud at some of the things he said and did. I mean, he literally wore a salad bowl on his head. Um, so, so that's what that's what Kilmer said about working with Brando. Mm-hmm. And you know, but well, of course, he didn't wasn't relying on him to be a good actor, though. <laughs> yeah. So between the diva antics of both Brando and Kilmer. A flood that nearly destroyed the set, a, care, a change in directors, and constant rewrites. The production schedule stretched from six weeks to six months. Jesus Christ. So, how well did the movie do? The Island of Dr. Moreau cost $40 million to make. It brought in $49 million in the box office, factoring and marketing costs. The film didn't come close to recouping its losses. And reviews were just as disastrous. Ron Tomato has it listed for a 22% approval rating. Here's what a critic said. Critic Jason Bailey from Flavor Wire sums it up the best. And then we got to look at the film. 
which was an experience roughly akin to watching a slow-motion train wreck in which the flames spread into the brush and become an out-of-control wildfire. Huh. And that's the article. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is, like, I remember seeing the trailers for this movie and being weirded out but being so intrigued to watch it. Mm-hmm. And then I did watch it and I was like, wow, this movie's really fucking bad. I have no idea what's going on with this. <laughs> But the documentary is actually really great. It's 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 really wild to like to find out what happened on that document. That set. I need a tattoo. <laughs> okay. Of a fax that says you're fired. Geriatric cinematic of Rob Reiner's This is Spinal Tap. Through two decades, 17 classic albums, countless unforgettable concert triumphs, they changed the face of British rock music forever. And the best part is, they're back. Spinal Tap, get out there, you're on! Now, they're on the verge of the greatest comeback of all time. Rock and roll! This is their moment. Go right straight through this door here, down the hall. Yeah. Turn right. Their time has come. Rock and roll. Any minute now. Any second. Hello, stage. I think we're lost. There's a little jog there, about 30 feet. Jog to the left. Get ready. Get set. This film came out in 1984. And the synopsis is Spinal Tap, one of England's loudest bands, is chronicled by film director Marty DeBurgi on what proves to be a fateful tour. Directed by Rob Reiner, it stars Tony Hendra, Michael McKean, Christopher Guest, and Harry Shearer. So, yeah, this is Spinal Tap. Um, God, I remember watching this in high school. This is what, like one of the movies that my, like rocker slash like metal metalhead friends would show me and they'd be like oh you gotta watch this movie it's so stupid it's this 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 and everything and um i remember because because in high school that's when i really started finding like my musical voice so i, I was getting into like a lot so you of were like, singing yeah exactly See, yeah <laughs> I, as you can tell my sultry lyrics that come out of these out of your butt out of my butt <laughs> exactly. <laughs> damn all right fuck <laughs> Anyway, I they do are it. sultry. They're sultry butt noises. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 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 I grew up loving this movie. Matter of fact, I still love this movie. But the most important part is no one gives a shit about my opinion. It's, uh, what does Kelsey think about it? That's the most important part. Is it? Yes. Are you sure? It's the basis of this whole fucking podcast. I like this movie. Okay, all right, I thought I'll it take was that. funny. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes I was a little long in the tooth, as they say. This movie's like a good like hour and thirty minutes. It felt like sometimes the pacing wasn't great. Mm, okay, I can see that. I can see that. That's why I said that. Um, so what did you? What did you? Uh, in an overall sense, what, what did you like about this movie? The comedy. Mm-hmm. The music. Yeah, the music is actually really fucking good. The one thing that I kept thinking was, 
why the fuck are they making a movie that's like a mockumentary about this band who's not doing well and their music is so fucking fire? <laughs> um, yeah, so Christopher Guest, Harry Shear, and Michael McKean, they're actually like comparable musicians. Um, they wrote they wrote the music themselves, right? Uh-huh. And that's actually them like on the soundtrack. That's like all them. Yeah. Music, uh, instruments and everything. I know. I saw that. I saw that in the credits. And I was oh. like, oh, fuck. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, so what did you think of what did you think of the comedy of, the, the of comedy was pretty good because uh-huh. it like does some slapsticky type thing uh-huh. where they do like the Easter Island fucking monument or just one piece oh, of it Stonehenge I love I fucking love that joke every time I watch it it just it just it puts a huge smile because the fact that like um what's the homeboy's name uh uh, Tony uh, Tony Hendra, where he like writes down the the measurements like eighteen, and it's clearly one. It's clearly eighteen inches, but no one catches it at all. <laughs> and then like when the when the when the the person who put it together, who was played by Angelica Houston, when she like puts it together, shows on the model, Chris the Chris um, the manager who's played by Christopher Guest is like. Oh yeah, it's gonna look like this with all these like cracks in it. It looks amazing. Yeah, I, I can't I really can't wait to see like the whole scale of it. And he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is what you want. He just like fucking flip out on that shit. I like the part where they were like, you know, there's no need to make a big deal of it. And he's like, you should have made a big deal of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great fucking part. Um, the one thing I did uh, find annoying was the girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. And like I, I, I didn't I, think that really fit that well. And I, well, I think that was that was obviously like on purpose because of how there have been plenty of uh, band members whose girlfriends or wives or partners or whatever give a bit too much of an opinion, like if they are part of the band, mm-hmm. and like it like it it drives like a, a wedge between the members. You know, one like the biggest example. Yoko Ono. Yoko Ono. Even though a lot of people, a lot of people like to argue that. They were already kind of falling apart. The Beatles were falling apart. Um, John Lennon and Paul McCartney were kind of like separating anyway. Mm-hmm. And, but like, I felt like Yoko Ono was also contributed to that. I, 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 I don't look at her and be like, yeah, she's the total reason. But mm-hmm. I felt like she had a part in that in that breakup. I, I feel like she was annoying and she stuck around for too long. But I will say like how mm-hmm. at the very end. Yeah. It didn't work because they were all oh. performing together anyway. And yeah, she's exactly. sitting there like, fuck. I, I I hadn't seen this movie in a few years. Um, but I distinctly remember like the, their their last gig before they go to Japan was in a high school. Did you get a sense that they were in a high school? No, they were on an Air Force base. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Which did kind of look like a high school. High school yeah. Like an old high school, like gymnasium slash cafeteria yeah 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 but, no no but actually, it was definitely on base no 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 that was that was the one that the band broke up where where ian slammed his guitar and was like fuck this mm-hmm. but when they were playing and ian came back on the stage that was at a different show and i'm thinking that was the high school but I, i'm probably just mixing up my uh my scenes from what i remember i also kind of it's hard to tell for mm-hmm. me yeah i probably wasn't paying that much attention maybe it was a high school maybe they were doing like a like a prom or like a reunion yeah yeah, yeah. so what did you think of the acting from michael um 
Michael McKean, Harry Shear, Christopher Guest, and and uh, Tony Hendra. Um. I don't know them by their looks, so I'll have to uh, name them by. Okay, so Tony Hendra. These go to eleven. Uh, uh, I don't remember what he looks like. Brown hair. Brown hair. He's the one who talked about the sandwiches. Okay. He's the one who left the band. Okay. 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 Harry Shear. Uh, okay, the bass player, the guy, with the, the guy who looked like what's his name from Fall. Teddy. From, from, he looks like Teddy. <laughs> and Michael McKean is the blonde. Okay. Okay. Does that help? Oh, and Christopher Guest, the manager, the one with the okay. with the cricket bat. <laughs> it would be cool if I could just refer to them in those ways. Okay, so cricket bat, blonde. Well, I'll uh, say manager, manager, blonde, blonde, Teddy. <laughs> Other guy who looks like a modern actor that I can't remember. Okay. We'll just call him Brunette. Yeah. He had brown hair. We'll call him uh, Chair 2. I would say we'd call him Sandwiches, but you don't remember that sandwich scene. No, I do. I okay. just didn't remember what he looked like. Okay. Well, but sandwiches. now I know, so I can say that. All right. So, so Sandwiches, Manager, Blonde. And Teddy. And Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. The blonde. Okay. Mm. What's his name? Something. Michael sure. McKean. No. Okay. Yeah. Michael McKean. Okay. <laughs> I liked him a lot. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I, I, he he uh, to me I think he's like the funniest of the bunch. He's like the funniest, but the most clever. Yeah, because he says shit. It's really off the fucking wall. Yeah. And he's he's so committed to the things that he says and i think that's why he's so funny mm-hmm. like he it's like he truly believes the shit that he says yeah so he actually is the character <laughs> yeah like he's not even playing michael mckean he's an amazing like comedian um he's done a lot of christopher guest stuff um and he did a really great performance in better call saul maybe when he, he was on the show you know he should have um played what maybe should have what leech uh Lee Curtis Childs. Shut up. <laughs> no. No. <sighs> All right. So what? It was blonde. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> so it was blonde. Was like your top. Was that was that your top one uh, as in performance or? Yeah. Um, yes. On the sa- okay. I like him the most. Uh, I also feel like Teddy was underutilized. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I felt like he had... He was like... Uh, um, What's his name from Atlanta? Oh, the Keith Stanfield? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, for I some reason, I keep trying to call him Boots Riley because he was in his movie. So now oh, I sorry get, to bother you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got you. Um, but to me, he was like weird, like that guy. But I can, I yeah, I, I agree with that. There's a there's that one part during the movie where like the band's like, it's like falling on hard times, and they play at a they play at a Six Flags like, after <laughs> after a puppet show, mm-hmm. and like, I think at the time Ian had like left the band, so Harry Shearer's character is like, hey, what if we like, what if we like do like that jazz. <laughs> jazz movie that we talked about <laughs> and it's so out of place and it's like not what? good yeah it's like what <laughs> like can you imagine can you imagine like what like name name like your favorite band 
my favorite band. Yeah, like okay, let's say like let's like a band from my high school that I liked. Yeah, a band you like, a band that you like from high school that you would see now. That I would see now. Yeah. Oh shit. Um, I don't know that I would see any of them now. Okay. Okay. Oh, like wait, that I would want to go see or yeah. around now. No, no, that you want to see. That you would want to go see. Revis. Rep. The fuck <laughs> is Revis? <laughs> They're good. Okay. All right. So let's say Revis. Let's say Revis, right? <laughs> You Shine you had, down. Is that another band? Yeah. That, that doesn't help. Fly you, from the inside. You never heard that song? No. It's a great song. Okay, let's go back to Revis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you go to, you're like, oh fuck yeah, Revis in town. I'ma take I'ma take Karen to go see them, you know? Uh-huh. Cause that's like a band I listened to in high school. <laughs> I should take Mark because I know he'll hate it. <laughs> oh, I'm already I'm already going there planning on hating it. <laughs> no, but you like you you like you're like, okay, cool, they're gonna play their hits. And they start playing like some fucking like folk music or some shit out <laughs> of fucking nowhere. They're playing like some techno music or some shit out mm, of nowhere. Techno folk. Fuck, that's a contradiction right there. <laughs> techno folk. Um, they call it techno. <sighs> let's get back to the task at hand, okay? <laughs> anyway, that scene with the jazz, that, I think that scene's fucking hilarious. Um,. I still think that scene with, with Harry Shearer's character when he's walking through the metal detector. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> funny. The cucumber. <laughs> I think that shit is still pretty fucking funny. Yeah. And that's something that I wouldn't be surprised is something that musicians do today. <laughs> you know what What made me laugh about that was the yeah. fact that I didn't get what the fuck the, the lady was saying. Oh, the, metal de- <laughs> the lady with the metal detector? Yeah. I didn't get what she meant until after he pulled it out. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's what she meant about any other members. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, sandwich guy. What'd you think about him? I think he was more the straight guy. So, yeah, he, he, he could be funny, but mostly that wasn't his role. He was like, I think he was kind of like, he was like dumb funny, but like oblivious to like the shit he says or does. Like, obviously, like, the 18 inches with Stonehenge mm-hmm. and the scene which is it's my favorite scene in the whole fucking movie is these go to 11 oh yeah I like I love that <laughs> and I and I use that too like whenever I talk about like music I really like I always go like yeah listen to them I pump that shit to like an 11 mm. like that you know um and, but I love his I love his reaction with Rob Reiner is like well why didn't you just make 10 the loudest and then just crank it up to 10 and he just goes quiet and goes, these go to 11. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a child reaction. I know. To that. Yeah, like a preserved moose. Oh, my God. I almost said a petrified moose. <laughs> it still would have been worse. <laughs> um, so, one of the things about this movie that I absolutely love is Rob Reiner's directing and that he like directs it so fucking well that you would swear it's a real documentary. Mm-hmm. Right. And apparently a lot of people did think that. So apparently in the IMDb trivia, uh, after the film opened, several people went to Rob Reiner and was like, Hey, it's a great documentary, but why didn't you do like a, on a well-known band? <laughs> um, and then there's a story about Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> this is, so I'm going to read it from the IMDb page directly. Several rock stars have committed, <laughs> sorry, commented on what an uncannily, uncannily accurate spoof of the rock 
and heavy metal world this film was. Ozzy Osbourne said when he first watched the movie, he was the only person who wasn't laughing. He thought it was a real documentary. (laughs) (laughs) YouTube guitarist The Ed said, I didn't laugh, I wept. It was so close to the truth. (laughs) Um, uh, Marilyn Marilynen had five drummers in the space of a year between their first two albums, which guitarist Steve Rothery later admitted was like Spinal Tap. <laughs> um, also, the band was so fucking convincing, or the documentary was so convincing that Liam Gallagher and Noel Gallagher of Oasis went to go see Spinal Tap play, right? The three stars came out, opening up on opening an act, The Folksman, which is their characters from A Mighty Wind. Liam was bored with the folk music, so his brother explained that the folksmen were played by the same actors. Liam became distraught as he realized Spinal Tap was not a real band. Oh. <laughs> Can, you? <laughs> Can you imagine that shit? Some band, you're just like, yeah, I make it to fucking see him finally. And then they're playing <laughs> folk music. <laughs> and they're not real. It's like, it's, like, it's like he found out Santa Claus wasn't real twice. <laughs> um, on a more, I can say more kind of positive note, um, in his memoir, Father Joe, Tony Hendra had admitted that uh, he actually attempted suicide the night before the first day of filming, and he credits the joy he experienced in making the film with bringing him back from his depression. Oh, that's so, nice. So, you know, Spinal Tap saving lives. Yeah. He got, you know, medication right into his spine. Oh, my God. Old Tap. <sighs> <sighs> so, you kind of touched, you kind of touched upon the music. Hmm. Uh, what did you like about the, the music? Some of it was kind of ridiculous with the lyrics. But Tell, then. Someone like Big Bottom? <laughs> yeah, but uh-huh. also, like, I swear that's still something that they would, ma- like, would be made at that time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, even though it's ridiculous, this kind of still rings true. Yeah. But also, the music to me was just good. Like, mm. it hit everything I wanted to hear in a rock band. Yeah, like, and they played. Um, like they 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 played it straight like straight serious you know what i want them to do Hmm. i want them to open street food cinema spinal tap yes you know how they have the live band oh yeah they should play music their music before the movie i think i that would be awesome somehow but or hollywood bowl Oh my god, they fucking sell out so fast. Holy shit. Like if they played, you know, during the movie. Um yeah, like like Spinal Tap has kind of like they did start this this like thing of like jokes within the the like a musician's career being built on jokes within the lyrics. Like a key a key example is like uh what's his name? Like Weird Al Yankovic. Weird Al Yankovic. He he made his career on parody songs. Nobody has ever done not not that not that nobody has ever done it, but I don't think anybody did it before him, and nobody has done it as successful as him. Mm. Um, but and, you're talking about songs that maybe don't take themselves seriously, like Afro Man. Yeah, but see, Afro Man had like that one or he had like one or two songs. These are like, like Willie Yankovic is like a dude who has a whole plethora of albums. Of parody songs that are actually pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like they take they take bites off of like well bite. They take a huge chunk of the original, but the lyrics are still like pretty funny to listen to. I was telling Cameron about that song. Um, Which one? 
I forgot the name of it, but it's like you see me rolling. They hate that one. Yeah, that's not Afro Man. No, I know it's not. Okay, yeah. I don't remember who it is. Okay. But Weird Al did. Um, I think he did. Did he? I think he did. But somebody did a parody of that song. But it was the person on a lawnmower. So they're like, they see me mowing. That's so funny. They hate it. <laughs> There's this band that did um, did an Easy E song, but they did it like uh, it's it's Boys in the Hood, um, and uh, I can't remember. But they're like they 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 present themselves as like Los Angeles Vatos, mm-hmm. and like. They were like really chilled. No, I'm sorry. The video presented itself like that. I don't know if the band was actually like that because I never got further into it. Mm-hmm. But the video was like it would show Vatos like drive like riding their bikes through L.A. But like golfing and just like dr- like drinking margaritas and shit. Yeah, yeah, just chilling. <laughs> and the song was like, "Cause we're boys in the hood, not so hard." Like all that kind of stuff, uh-huh. and like really chill, like almost lullaby type music that was actually kind of funny. <laughs> um, another band that one band that actually. Does the same thing as Spinal Tap, but do that actually does it from a folk angle is Garfunkel and Oates. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they broke up like last year or something like that. Or maybe I think they, they might have reformed, but like they did a song that's just straight called like "Fuck You," mm-hmm. um, a song about God and butt stuff. Um, Sounds fun. There's a song called like, oh no, that's not that's the interview that they did for IFC, but they just do like. They had a TV series for, like, I think, like, a season or two on IFC that was actually pretty funny. I have a question for you. Sure. Tenacious D. Is that a real band? Or is that a movie band? That's a real band. Really? Yeah, with Jack Black and Kyle... Oh, I can't remember what Kyle's like. For some name. reason, I want to say McCollum. <laughs> oh, another one. Um, The Mighty Boosh. The Mighty Boosh has done stuff like that. Um, I think... Uh, uh, David Cross with... Uh, Bob Odenkirk for uh, Mr. Show mm-hmm. with uh, Bob and Dave. Um, I think they've done. Uh, I know T- Tenacious D got their start off of that show. Um, so they started off as a movie band, or no, 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 no. They're a real band. They're a real band. But what happened was that they would do like how their unsuc- uh, unsuccessful band trying to get their name in the, in the music industry, mm-hmm. and they just had skits. Whereas like this is how they tried to like get their name recognized and stuff. So like it was that. like. Um- Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah, but actually, like, really talented. Like, to the, like I listened to a couple of Tenacious, Tenacious D albums. Mm-hmm. Their songs are fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually a song, I think it's called, like, I think that song, it's called, like, Hard Fuck or Slow Fuck. And he's just talking about, like, fucking. And it's. <laughs> And there's another song. It's called like the tribute song, mm-hmm. but it's like this is not the song. This is the tribute to the greatest song ever, mm-hmm. and that's just them singing the song like that. <laughs> it's a great. That band's really great. Like I, Jack Black still like fucks around with that band. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I think I just the only thing I remember from the movie that they mm-hmm. made. Oh, the Pick of Destiny. Yeah, was um, him trying to like do. S- push something cock push-ups uh-huh yeah i know you're going, know you're going there yeah unless you thought about cock push-ups all right <laughs> every man knows how to do that duh yeah duh kelsey you never a, know when you're gonna need it in like an emergency situation i i do that's why i do like 30 a day only 30 yeah i'm getting old my age i should do 100 okay no like you should do at least 100 in your old age <laughs> 
Everybody else is doing like 500. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to hit in my roommate. How many push-ups you do? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so we're going off track. <laughs> look, look. You, I'm going to go more off track. You and him <laughs> should do cock push-ups with one of you pushing the other one <laughs> up. Like, <laughs> on the ground. Like one on the ground and the other one pushing him up. You know, like... With, you know how you do with, like, little kids with your feet in the air? But <laughs> you both have to. You that. know, you already, you already gave me, like, a finger display of it. And you're just going <laughs> in more details. Like, I get it. I get it. Fucking get it. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> spinal Tap. Last question. Mm. Do you think this movie holds up? Yes. Okay. Second to last question. Why? <laughs> no, this is the last, last question. Last, last question. Because uh, it's funny. Because the music is good. Mm-hmm. Because even though the film is kind of grainy and old, mm-hmm. um, it could be about any band today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, any real band. Not like these weird fucking Gen Z fucking people that are coming out now people who wouldn't get it that you know yeah like you couldn't do it about ariana grande there there was like a movie star not movie star i'm sorry there was a movie that came out i think it was called like pop star don't stop believing that had annie sandberg in it mm-hmm. and he was like making fun of like pop stars but from what i not from what i heard it was it was a it was a bomb it didn't well, do so because well because pop stars aren't funny there's nothing funny about them. Yeah, if you think a of a parody. pop star, you're just like, ugh. Yeah, it's just, you're kind of like this, not necessarily being a dead horse, but you're kind of like, it's, I don't know. I, maybe maybe the reason why it didn't, succeed, it didn't succeed is because people are already tired of seeing anything with pop in it, mm-hmm. pop star-esque within it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my opinion on Spinal Tap is it still holds up. Mm-hmm. I still love it. Um I also would like to show Leia this, but I know she would not get... She wouldn't get it. 80% of the jokes. I don't think she'd get any of them. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, I, I think it still holds up. So I, I still very much enjoy this movie. Yeah. Uh, all right, is that it? Yeah. All right, so that's going to be our show for this week. We want to thank everybody for joining us on this week's show. Uh, we especially like to thank the folks over at Your Entertainment Corner for hosting this show on... Oh, this podcast on their website. Uh, for all your film news, TV news, and film reviews, check out yourentertainmentcorner.com. Uh, you can find this podcast on all podcast catchers. We're all over the place. You know, you know, you know. Um, so next week, we're doing a movie that we almost know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're checking out Barbarian. It, that will be our recent review, which is... Uh, premiering in theater september 9th this friday uh we have all we know is that a woman is ends up at an airbnb that was double booked and shit goes off the rails i've been told that i need to go into this or we need to go into this movie almost completely blind because it's like a bonkers ass film yeah i remember watching the trailer for it and i was like okay it could be good but like yeah um so We'll, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that 
turns out, and hopefully that the movie we compare it to works, um, which will be our geriatric cinematic, which is 1997's Cube, uh, which is currently streaming for free on Tubi, Freebie, or available to rent on Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube TV, or other VOD services. Uh, The topic of that week's show will be the terror is coming from inside the house. The terror coming from inside their buta. <sighs> this dicks and butts. That's all it is to you, huh? Mm-hmm. And farts. <laughs> so that's gonna be the, that's gonna be the name of your bio book. Dick, butts, and farts. Nope, no room for boobs. They're not funny. Boobs are funny. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. Especially when you like jiggle them. When you jiggle them, they go like. <laughs> 